0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you've been watching ABC on Thursday nights, you may have caught the new series Women of the Movement. It's a drama about Mamie Till Mobley and her quest for justice following the brutal murder of her son Emmett Till in the Jim Crow South.
1: The death of my son has shown me that whatever happens to any of us, anywhere in the world, had better be the business of all of us.
0: Episodes 5 and 6 air tonight, so if you're not caught up, now's your chance and joining us now is the creator and executive producer of the show marissa joe sarar mj welcome to reset Hi, thanks for having me so we've all heard the story of emmett till uh, particularly here in chicago but you center this series around his mother what made you want to tell her story
1: well, it was really important for me if I was going to tackle this subject matter that it represented from the mother's point of view, and that we get to know Emmett Till um, rather than it being a true crime series where these you know true stories are often uh, told from the point of view of lawyers or police officers. And I felt that it was really, really important to humanize Mamie Till Mobley and Emmett Till because you know there are some people. Have absolutely no idea who they are, and those that do often know very little. They know that he was murdered, they know that she decided to open his casket to show the world the brutality that was inflicted upon him, but they don't really know what it was like for her to go through that and to make those decisions. And so, I wanted to just slow it down and walk us through and really put us in her world when this mother let her boy go on vacation with family and he never came home. And so it was really important to me to focus it on the mother rather than, you know, the broader sort of trial and and investigation take, which certainly there's that version. But this was what I felt was uh, most important and what I wanted to actually explore.
0: And you did something incredible. You got the backing of two megastars who helped to make this all happen. Talking about rapper Jay-Z and actor Will Smith. They're co-producers on Women of the Movement. So how did that come about?
1: Well, they were attached actually before I was um, as executive producers, and I came on um, through Aaron Kaplan, who runs the studio Capital Entertainment, and they had this book, and they wanted a writer, and I said, I would love to do it if we could do it from the mother's point of view, and they all said yes, and I pitched them my take, and they all have just been really supportive. That's been amazing because, you know, they have a massive reach, and they can get more people to tune in and and learn more about Emmett and Mamie.
0: Well, let's talk about you then and and your background for a little bit, MJ. You're from Illinois. You say that you grew up as the only black person in a tiny town out in central Illinois. So talk about that experience.
1: I did. Uh, It's a little town called Athens. I think it probably has 1600 people there. And I mean, from the age of three until, you know, I went to college and I went to Columbia College in Chicago. I went to film school there. You know, it was just pretty much me. I was the only black person. I think there were a couple of other, you know, I think a couple of other people who weren't white. That's the way it was. It's different now. Uh, It's a little more diverse, but it was challenging. um, And I often only saw people who looked like me because I'm adopted um, in movies and on television. And I think that's probably why when I was really young that I knew that I wanted to write, to put myself as the hero in stories where I often didn't see people who looked like
0: me as as the hero. Interesting. So that's how your upbringing tends to inform your work.
1: I think so. Yeah, just being sort of, you know, othered, that finds its way in most of the things that I do. And or sort of being uh, misunderstood or not fitting in. I mean, it finds its way in, you know, regardless of what the subject matter is. But I think we all all writers do that. We find a way to put ourselves in our projects. Mm -hmm. We can't
0: help it. Well, this is your first time creating and running a series, but you've worked on some very big shows before this. Uh, They include 13 Reasons Why. Also, uh, The Handmaid's Tale. Yes. What drew you to those projects?
1: Well, with 13 Reasons Why, um, before it actually even aired, before season one aired, I I started working on season two. So I had no idea, you know, it was going to be an an international phenomenon. I just felt it was really important to talk about bullying and rape culture because it's such an issue, such an issue then, like the beginning of the Me Too movement, and it's always an issue in, in schools. And so I cared very much about that subject matter. And then The Handmaid's Tale was... Just for me, I was such a fan of the show, and uh, my episode in particular that I wrote, you know was about adoption and uh, identity, and it was really the perfect match for me and it was a really amazing experience. Um, you don't often get to write on on your favorite show, so right. that really exciting and for me season three episode five of Handmaid's Tale there you know it's about motherhood and who's the mother is it a biological mother or sort of in quotes adopted mother in the Handmaid's Tale world and being adopted it was really amazing to be able to just really talk about uh, motherhood and identity in that way. So I only choose projects where I feel like that I can really explore some things that are very personal to me and that I feel like, you know, they'll, you know, get their money's worth. And yeah. those two projects where I felt like I could use a lot of myself and put a lot of myself into those shows.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, We're talking about the new ABC series, Women of the Movement, with show creator Marissa Jo Sarar. The series tells the story of Mamie Till Mobley and her quest for justice after the brutal murder of her teen son, Emmett Till, in 1955. Let's get back to Women of the Movement, MJ. As you mentioned, a lot of folks know about Emmett and Mamie Till's story. They know the ending, right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious about your writing process here, because I personally would be Wrestling with where to begin telling this story. And you decided to bring it all the way back to his birth. Yes.
1: That was really important to me Um, from the moment I started doing my research because I, like most people, I knew who Emmett Till was. I had an idea of who his mother was. I knew what happened to him and what happened to them, but I didn't know who they were. And I didn't know that. His birth was a miracle that he nearly died, that he was a breech baby. And I didn't know And uh, when he was very young, and I think he was six, I'm not exactly sure what age off the top of my head, that he survived polio. And so to survive these issues, to be that close with death, and only to be murdered when he was just turned 14, it just devastated me. It was so overwhelming. I have a child. I, I just can't imagine it. So I wanted people to see their loved ones in the face of Emmett Hill, not to see a martyr or you know, a victim of a crime, to see a boy. Yeah. And it was really important to me that we start with life, not death. That we didn't start with a funeral or a crime scene, because that's often what happens with, with these types of stories when they're um, made into series or movies, that we just want to get into that, the plot, the mystery, the investigation, the twists and turns. And I really wanted to come at it from a character forward, humanity forward, and starting with Emma and Mamie seeing that she was this young woman, she was sheltered and her mother made a lot of her decisions for her. And then she, you know, survived this traumatic birth with her son and she vowed to get him through this, to take care of him. And she did that. She succeeded only to have this happen. It was just so um, devastating. Uh, And I just felt it was really important to begin there because it's just launches the story, but it also puts you with the family, you know, it really puts you in their home, in their heads, and, and I, hopefully we can relate. You just got here, and they telling me I gotta give you up. <laughs> I think I'll call him Emmett.
0: I'm so sorry.
1: There's nothing to be sorry about. Sweetie, you heard what the doctor said. What kind of life is he gonna lead in an institution? I'll bring him down here every day if I have to, every hour. I want more for him, Mama. I want him to be free.
0: In the show, the first time that we see Emmett's face and and see how he was brutalized, uh, it's not when they pull his body out of the river. Uh, it's not when the authorities see him. It's also not when the coroner examines him, but it's when Mamie sees him. Why do you choose that moment?
1: Uh, That from the moment I outlined the episode, I just kept putting notes. I said, we will not see him until she sees him. Because when I read her memoir and when I watched documentaries or just news footage interviews of her talking about that moment, I wanted the audience to be there right there with her. I did not want them to be ahead of her because I wanted them to feel that weight and also to be in awe of her of her strength in that moment uh, that her baby was brutalized and she had to see for herself. She had to touch him. No one will believe it what they did People need to know and you will tell them Of course. And you will show them. Take his picture as he is. Yes, ma'am. What are y'all waiting for? And I felt like it was just so powerful because that was what the decision was to let the people see what she just saw. Like she was strong enough to see it and she was going to force the world to see it so that Mm -hmm. no one could say that it didn't happen. So it was really important to just be with Mamie in that moment. And I'm so proud. Everybody just did an amazing job. It's very challenging to watch, but it was so important to me.
0: Well, speaking of an amazing job, let, let's talk about Mamie in this moment. You immediately recognize her, her very quiet uh, but formidable strength. Um, even after she's seen Emmett's body, right, there is that moment out in the hallway where you see her eyes are just brimming with tears. And you think, OK, this is the moment where she's finally going to break down. But then she looks up and, and you can just tell that she's stealing her spine. Yes. Let's talk about actress Adrian Warren for just Adrian. a moment.
1: She is astonishing. And being right there with her, you know, filming, I, you know, I moved to Mississippi for four months. I was on set for every episode. I was there. That is the moment when we were filming that where I knew this was going to be undeniable. I mean, she was amazing up to that point, but to see her like suck tears back into her body over and over and over again was just mesmerizing. She cares so much. This is a massive responsibility to her. It just shows in her performance. She's just understood yeah. the way that Mamie, real, Mamie, talked about it. Adrian just delivered. And I, I just couldn't be more grateful to her for her commitment and just, you know, her, her talents just Mind blowing. Well,
0: while we're talking about casting, MJ, how perfect was Cedric Joe for the role of Emmett? My goodness, yeah. he looks just like him.
1: He does, not I don't even think I realized that until I started watching it. And I was there, and we even, you know, have contacts to, you know, make his eyes hazel. Yeah. Like.
0: Oh, so those I were contacts. Don't... Okay. Yeah, they, they are. I um, wondered.
1: Yeah, we meet. You know, casting over Zoom. And we, I think we did Gina prince bythewood who directed the first episode, we, you know, met with a number of people and it was a few times that we met with Cedric and there's just a soulfulness about him that really moved us. And he knew who Emmett Till was. He cared so much and we just felt like he could embody him. And then not really until I've been watching it over and over, do I see it just how much he looks yes. like, I mean, I mean, I really, it was less about that and more about just embodying him, you know, his mannerisms, his yeah. behavior and falling in love with him. And yeah, but it's, it's just, he's it's fantastic. We're very fortunate.
0: And we could go on and on with casting, but Glenn Turman, who, oh, I mean, wow. I grew up on legend in the game. I feel like he was in everything I watched in the eighties and nineties. He plays the heck out of the role of Emmett's uncle Mose, right? Just phenomenal.
1: He's so great and so much dignity. He's so noble and that was really important that Moe's was portrayed that way. And he just breaks your heart, makes you cheer. He's fantastic. And tonight, as you know, as mentioned, episode five and episode six will air our finale. His story in episode six is just so beautiful and I'm so grateful to Glenn as well. Just such an amazing actor and very funny, funny guy. Yeah, (laughs) cool. Very cool dude.
0: The show is called Women of the Movement, which it says women, plural. But it's not just about Mamie. And there's a scene where Mamie meets Ruby Hurley with the NAACP. Let's take a listen to that.
1: I must admit you're the first woman I've met in the NAACP. We are few but fierce. Well, I'd say so. So what is it that you do? Oh, I'm the Southeastern director, which basically means I travel around to the worst sections of the country raising hell in the (laughs) name of justice. Ruby leads an army of 35,000 and is probably the only one to receive death threats and marriage proposals in equal measure.
0: It's a hazard of the
1: job. Sometimes you got to flip your hips if you want to get people to talk to you. (laughs) Well, it's good to know
0: that women are part of the movement. Oh,
1: we're not just part of it. We're
0: essential. And seeing you fighting for your child is going to inspire other women to do the same. Oh, that's so powerful.
1: Learning more about Ruby Hurley in the writer's room, we thought she was just so cool. And I had never heard of her um, and learned about her through the research for the show. And we could have done an entire you know, series just about her and just about Medgar Evers. And there are just so many amazing unsung heroes that their stories deserve to be told. And I, I'm glad that we could at least service their stories a little bit and bring a little more attention to them. But Ruby was just such a hero as well.
0: You know, it's interesting, as viewers, we're watching this inspiring yet tragic narrative. Uh, and it comes at a time after the nation just witnessed another brutal murder right before our eyes. I'm talking about George Floyd, right? Yeah. He's He's been referred to many times over the past couple of years as the modern-day Emmett Till. How did the weight of that comparison impact how you executed the series?
1: Well, oh, we had already broken every episode, uh, written the first five, actually the first six of all of them. Um, I'm just going back to that summer and I had my notes call for episode six for the finale, uh, the day of the uprisings when it began, Mm -hmm. um, after his murder, it just reminded me, not that I needed to be reminded of how important the story is, how important it is to get it right. Um, and it was just devastating because it's a reminder also of, that we have a long way to go because Emmett's his face that photo of his brutalized face was sort of it went viral in 1955 right seeing the end of George Floyd's life in 2020 it's just it's the same thing and it was devastating but it just kept me focused on get this right get this right
0: get this right did the family think that you got it right did you get their blessing (laughs) They
1: did. Uh, It was the greatest uh, when uh, Reverend Wheeler Parker Jr., when I finally, um, we met on Zoom, I've met him in person since after they had seen all six and he said, you got it right. I just started like sobbing because that's to me what mattered um, and what matters because I took it very seriously. I I worked so hard and did so much research and and watched every interview he ever gave and read every book. I just wanted to get it right. And when he said that, it was just, uh, I just was so grateful. Um, all of us, all of the cat, Adrian, all of us were so grateful when I was able to pass that message along. And now we've all been together and we're screening in New York and Chicago and LA and he uh, has embraced us and we embrace him and and we're so grateful.
0: Yeah. Well, what's next for women of the movement, MJ? Could could there be another chapter? Yeah, I hope so. Um,
1: there are so many stories That people may think they know, or they know a blurb about one woman, or one story, or one crime, or one movement that we can really dig into. I know if we are fortunate enough to get another season, I know exactly who it will be for season two. Oh, it's just for people to say, "Do tell." uh, Yeah, I can't, (laughs) I can't say. (laughs) Come on, (laughs)
0: but it's
1: it's uh, another just amazing family and woman, and I, I, I've been in touch with the family and been working with them closely, and so hopefully this will happen. Um, but this could go on forever, and we, it doesn't have to just be in the 50s or the 60s. It could be the 70s, 80s, 90s, early aughts, and present day. There are so many women whose stories deserve to be told, and I would love to be part of telling them.
0: Well, my fingers are crossed for you. That is Marissa Jo okay. Sarar, creator of the ABC series Women of the Movement. The finale airs tonight at 7 on ABC. MJ, thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.